Welcome to the Moxie Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Nuccio, and I'm so happy you made it to our little corner of the world today. The Moxie Podcast began with the intention to capture courageous stories by ordinary people, just like you and me. My goal has always been to create community, and as we come together throughout this season, we will continue to gather up our Moxie, dive into deeper conversations, and be motivated for change. So welcome to our family here at the Moxie Podcast, where you can be fully human, imperfect in all, and continue to be a bright light for this world. Hey guys, welcome to the Moxie Podcast. I am just so pumped to have Gary and Lisa Black here today. So how about you guys say hi and welcome. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, well, let's just start. I love to just start with our listeners knowing who you are. So what would you say you guys are best known for, whether that's individually or together? I would say we're best known for causing a ruckus and bringing life at the same time. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think we're very passionate about mothering and fathering. So I think we're probably known for that. What would you say? Yeah. And I think just, you know, starting things and seeing them kind of turn in and flourish and we don't ever get to stay long. Yeah, we don't anything. get to enjoy it. <laughs> so we get to move around a lot. We just moved back from Europe and back into the Colorado Springs. And so, yes, we're known for nomad life and yeah. activating hearts pretty much. Uh, I love that so much. I am a nomadic. So as you guys know, I'm always on the road <laughs> with the family. So Um, I totally get that. Well, let's talk a little bit about where you guys, like your upbringing, where you're from, and then how you guys came together. Cause I really do want to kind of dive deep into black tribe and what you guys are working on. And, and you just recently were just talking about students in your school and would love to get into that, but let's first talk about, um, yeah, where you're from and, and how you guys came together. Okay. All right. Well, I am originally. I know that's I, that's a big question. I but know. I, we'll, we'll, we've learned how to tell our story very quickly. So yes. I am from Detroit. I was um, widowed when I grew up outside the Ann Arbor area, and I was widowed when I was 25, and I had two little girls at the time, and so I really didn't want to stay in that area without all the memories. And so I packed up everything and moved to Colorado Springs in '96, where Thank I didn't God. know anyone. And I re-engaged in some um, inner city crisis counseling here. And I was living fully alive as a single mom. And then one day, a very large Viking looking person walked into my office and I'll let him take it from there. (laughs) Yes, Yes. uh, from Colorado Springs actually, where we are now. And um, I had uh, my first marriage, I lost my wife to mental illness and some adultery and all kinds of things. They made a documentary about that stage of our lives, uh, very violent. I had three boys uh, that I get, got to one, win full custody of. I think I was the first man in Colorado to win full custody of his children. Um, it was a three-year battle, cost us a lot of money. In the midst of that battle, I met Lisa Marie, and she kept me alive and reminded me who I was. And uh, I had a very large ministry in the 90s that kind of turned into a movement, um, kind of a small Christian rock star. And uh, lost all of that and lost reputation and lost homes and everything with the divorce. Um, And so it was just really incredible thing to meet a widow that brought me back to life. We've been married 20, almost 21 years now in November. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. We had my three boys, her two girls, and we had Noah together. So we raised six in Africa and Spain and America. Wow. Wow. Well, what brought you guys to Africa? I didn't even know that part of your story. Yeah, yeah we, we moved there with all six of them. There were 16 and younger. Yes. Um, Swaziland. 
Okay. So, and it, it was incredible and really, really hard. And we kind of got removed from Africa. After yeah, they, they wouldn't, they would not renew our visas. We thought we'd be there mm. for at least five years. And so we started working with adventure missions there. And they, uh, Gary was out in the wilderness really one day um, with the vision trip. And there was about 90 orphans walking around looking for food and without clothes. And we decided that was going to be our mission. And so we really focused on education and a community center. And it was all the people on the ground there. It wasn't us. We just got to hover over it. But as a family, we really kind of came around that particular group. There was, of course, one grandma that was doing everything out of one pod, the go-go. And... um, Gogo Elizabeth, it's very precious. And that that is still thriving. That community is is healing and thriving and those children are doing it's their in Nisoko, Nisoko, well, uh, Swaziland changed their name, you know, the king just changed it. But, and we had just, we started the world race with the guy, Seth Barnes and Andrew Shearman. Um, oh, amazing. So we, all the world race would come there first and do training camp with us. Mm-hmm. And then we were the coaches of the world race. So we traveled quite a bit in those days as well. So that was Africa. Wow. This is so great. So I love when I hop in interviews and I'm surprised at the stuff that I don't know. You would think I would know a lot, but I didn't know all of that. I didn't know you guys were part of like the beginning of the world race as well. Yes, we were at the very, very beginning and the first coaches and it was uh, amazing. Yeah, it was. Amazing. It was really amazing. Really cool. It was a yeah. great, great exposure for our kids and to get yeah. them out of America and take them into that and get them to see the world a little bit bigger was a great experience. But there's also a lot, you know, that comes with that. And we came back quicker than we thought. And we weren't really great at re-entry. And we mm-hmm. didn't really um, probably take our own advice with, with re-entry and counseling and, and just being there for our kids. And we thought we were fine. And then um, it was a, ended up being a really difficult season after that. So. Yeah, we lost our 19-year-old son in 2013, um, mm-hmm. which was pretty devastating for the family and still is. Um, and so coming out of that, uh, Seth Barnes at Adventures of Missions really was a key in all of that for us. He's just a prince of a man. And uh, we stopped coaching, obviously, when we came back to the States for a while. Um, and then after his death, it was a few years of just really hard, painful stuff. Um, incredible young man, just awesome kid. And so then we got back involved with the real race and moved to Spain. And we've been in Spain for the last five and a half years with uh, G42 Leadership Academy. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And then so, and then now you're in Colorado Springs. Yeah. COVID ripped us out of Spain. <laughs> yeah. And they, they wouldn't let our, us go back in. So yeah, they wouldn't <laughs> let our students back in. And so now we have the leadership school G42 uh, with Andrew and Mo Shearman here in Colorado Springs. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to kind of bounce back and forth with your story. Cause there's a lot, but, and I, I love it all. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And what I, but I, what I love about, I love talking about like the celebrations and what we're doing, but I also do like talking about some of those struggles and how we got through that. And so first I just want to talk about what are you guys doing now? And what are some of those celebrations now that you're working on in present day? We have the school, like I said, G42 is a, a school that we all kind of helped start, but Andrew uh, Sherman has fa- founded it. And it's been in Spain for the last 10 years. Um, we moved there, like I said, five years ago. And, and uh, we needed to grieve and kind of just sleep and have some time. And as we did that, you know, the kids start showing up and pulling on our anointing. And I started traveling and meeting world race crews and kind of picking the leaders out and inviting them to Spain. And we'd take 30 at a time 
Um, so it's kind of hard to see that season in. We really loved Europe and Spain was awesome. Um, but we have, my dad's left. My, I've lost my brother, my sister, um, and my mom all in the last three and a half years. Mm. And so my dad's 82 and raising my sister's special needs kids still, three of them. Wow. And then Lisa's parents are here in the Springs. So we knew we were going to come back at some point anyway. We just didn't know how quickly with COVID and all that happened. Um, and so then, and then, you know, with COVID, it, with everybody got so affected, but we had to pull hundreds of kids off the field with, with the world race. Um, and that was our recruiting pool. And so we've got about 14, mostly world racers here in Colorado Springs with us. Now they're in a three month uh, class schedule with us. We just were on lunch break right now. We actually just went through some intense spiritual stuff. Yeah. It was awesome. Good. Um, so that's it. We're, we love it. And, but we know we're here in Colorado Springs now. And we're building a community um, to serve the inner city uh, and to keep leadership stuff going. And so it's a, it's a huge time of transition and it's been really hard, but it's really God and it's been pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's been, it's been very hard for him. And I think um, for me, I just, I love America and I love being home. And I know that's not popular, but I do. And <laughs> I started things in this city in, you know, 20 some years ago and I just, it's all widows and orphans to me and it doesn't matter what country they're in and, and need is need. And I think that we're, we just are focused on building families, helping marriages thrive, not just survive. And, and there's just a fathering and mothering spirit that's missing across the board in the world. And until we bring that back, I think a lot of the other things we're focusing on just are not going to work. We really have to go back to the very basics of seeing real healing in families and, and seeing, seeing marriages healed and seeing families put back together. And so that's really what, that's my focus always, no matter where we go, because it's not hard to find that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love sharing unpopular opinions about yes, loving America. <laughs> unpopular opinion today. Yeah, no, no. I love that you guys share that. And so for people that are, you know, you guys have gone through that and then in this healing and, um, lost. And so what's some advice that you would give to people and what are some things that you guys had to do practically speaking during that time, but some stuff that, that you just grew and learned from yourself during, during those moments of lose of just loss. Yeah. I think for me specifically, you know, I thought the biggest Thing was losing my first wife um, the way that it happens very violent the police were called more than any other case at the time uh, it was really crazy because mentally she just was gone and it was really hard uh, losing the ministry and your reputation you know that seems like it's the hardest thing mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then you lose a son and that changes everything and so we I had never allowed myself to feel my pain and I'm a big believer that you know if you either transmit your anger and pain on those around you that you love or you're transformed by it. And so going mm -hmm. to Spain really did that for me specifically. I got to sit in my pain for the first time and own it and allow it to transform my heart um, into a soft heart, heart, that kind of thing. And so really a transformational time for, for me and that and our family mm -hmm. and, our, and our five living kids um, and our two, we have two grandbaby daughters as well seven and three. We just hung up with our three-year-old. She's unbelievable. Um, before we jumped on this. And so, yeah, that was really the, 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 the most kind of the largest thing. Now I really focus on that with the next generation and discipleship. I think there's a big discipleship movement coming and it's all around the heart and how you transform your heart um, and, and live mm -hmm. like Jesus. 
he, Jesus is the best theology in, in my book. So, yeah, we lost our son um, to suicide, and I and it is a different. I lost my first husband in an accident, and there's it was a different level of grief than I've ever experienced because along with that is this feeling of failure and this feeling of you know you've missed it and you've you but you're called to this generation and, and your own son was dying you know and there was nothing that you could do and it it heightened in me um how much we don't grieve very well especially in the american culture when we were in africa we worked with a young mother who lost her baby right after pretty quickly after the birth of the baby and i remember at that funeral the wailing and the crying and I thought it was so beautiful because it was so authentic and they were really in touch with what they were actually feeling and there was no shame in it. And I think we have tried to blanket all of those things mm -hmm. and just numb everything down to just a shade of gray. And I've seen that so much in this generation of, they have had to numb down some of their trauma, but they're also numbing down their joy. And I would love for us to step in that place as, as older people and as elders, for lack of a better word, of just allowing people to, to go through their pain, but also giving them hope that this is not the rest of your life. You don't have to stay in this place and it is something you can overcome. But I, I don't think the great losses in our life that we're actually supposed to get over, I think that we're supposed to let our hearts kind of grow and mm -hmm. It's, a, it's not a, even a coping, it's, it's an acceptance that there has been a great loss, but that you are destined to overcome and to bring people on that journey with you. And so it was horrible, um, and I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I, I do want to go into dark places with people and hold them in hope. Yeah, yeah, I love that so much, and I think that people today, especially, and especially after going through this pandemic, I think one we've that alone was so i like so isolating and realizing just how much of a community that we need and healing that we need in that and we've all experienced the last year almost two years also in a, in a different in in different ways and so i find that like <clears throat> for us it's i don't know to continue to be that voice to continue to advocate to continue to um to give hope to those, um, who, who might be lacking it is just such a need. Um, and I'm curious, like in those conversations, just what are, I mean, I just would be, I mean, some of these stories, I guess, aren't yours to be told, but like, what are some, I would love to hear some of the transformative stories of people that have just like you guys being able to walk walk alongside and share truth and just be there. And even if that's not saying much, right, that's just being there for them. Like if there are some transformative stories that you can share, um, I would love to hear some if, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, the first thing that came to mind was we had a student uh, in Spain a few semesters ago, young man that, you know, was fatherless, kind of broken, really hard, abusive. We, we always try to not let our chins hit the table when we're listening to their testimonies, but it's a broken world. And these kids have some, you know, their stories are just uh, horrible most of the time and all the divorce and all the stuff that's happening. And he um, just transformed while he was with us just because I just loved him as a father. I called him out on his stuff kind of smacked him around a little bit, not physically, um, <laughs> and just walked with him and discipled him. And we were walking in COVID right before we got a complete and total lockdown in Spain. They shut us completely down and we couldn't leave our front door. 
but we were walking together and he said, I'm going to say something to you, Gary, that you might punch me and that's okay. And he said, but I'm really glad I have the Gary Black on the other side of Michael, your son's dad. And, you know, kind of hit me, but I, and I knew then immediately what he said, and we were just both in tears. And what he was saying was, I have this man's heart that I would have never had without that happening in his life. And what it, 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 he said is, it, it gives me hope for the tragedy and the pain that I know is going to come to my life, because we all have it. And I'm being healed from my past tragedy, because now I know I can do it because you've done it at this level. And so there's a lot of that that happens. Um, you know, when we'll talk about this, I'm sure we have a coaching business. There's not much we haven't been through. Um, so we really can walk with people because it's like uh, transform people, transform people and wounded people, wound people. And we really, we lose clients because we walk them into healing and transformation, right? We're not trying to keep them stuck. We're trying to get them yeah. to transformation because we know then as a transformed person, they're going to transform a, a lot of others, yes. a lot of people. And so that to me is discipleship and probably the best thing that's come out of all of the tragedy that we've had to experience and so it's really fun for me to um to coach women like your age that are that like you have these dreams and you're following them but you have three small children and <laughs> there's this constant like it was literally about to be like we need to talk offline I know. like <laughs> i've always have like a coach and mentor in my life i'm like hmm, we need to we need to talk <laughs> And I love it because I think women especially go through like, do I have to let all my dreams die because I had children or I got married or I'm doing this. And it is a much bigger struggle for females, I think, than it is for men because men are expected to like start on this, this ascent, just keep going and nothing will stop them. And there's nothing to hesitate that. And not that men don't have a ton of things to carry, but I just love looking into the eyes of, especially like a woman your age and just reminding them like, babe, this is a, this is a hard season and you are doing a lot and you are going to feel torn a lot and your, your babies are going to be crying for you sometimes and you have something really important to do and your children really are going to look back at this and remember like my mom is beautiful and present and strong. And my, my girls look back on our single years together when it was just the three of us. And I'm like, do they remember me just working all the time and being rushed? And they're like, I just remember that you were really strong and that you really loved mm -hmm. us and that we felt safe and we felt secure. They don't really remember the stuff I bought them. They don't really remember how I decorated. Like they don't remember the things that I thought were really important. And I just think women especially need a lot of encouragement right now because the world is our, like we can do anything now. And a hundred years ago, but at the same time, women are like, how, how do I do it? And I just want to tell uh, like you specifically, you can have it all, but you probably can't have it all on Tuesday afternoon <laughs> and do it perfectly without help. Yeah. So yeah. just release yourself from all that pressure. And Lisa always says this because I, I say life goes really fast. So thank God these seasons. She goes, no, sometimes it's, it's don't very slow when you're raising children. I think. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why people say it goes so fast. It went on forever. <laughs> it's so true. You're like, and yeah, Sean and I actually, Sean and I actually say. So our daughter just turned three, Sophie, and we were like, we thought she was three for this. So when she turned three, we're like. I swear you've been three for like already a year. How is this possible that you're just three? Because like from one and a half to three, like those yeah. were her kind of like two. So that seemed like a very long stretch. So we're like, oh, good. You're three now. Graduate um, now. Grow up. Three and 17 for ours. They were all miserable. Yeah. Three and 17 was the pivotal years for us. So. But that won't happen to you. You're going to no. be amazing. <laughs> 
Right. I'm already seeing my one-year-old turn on me. I'm like, no, the sweet baby is going away. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's so sweet. Yeah. For real. I think offline, I will put you guys up on that, but, um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit. When did you guys actually start doing your coaching business? So you, you do the leadership Academy and you've been working, you know, you started the world race and you've been working in that, but when did you start doing kind of the, this, I, won't, I don't want to call it side me. coaching, but developed the coaching. We had to because we've got so many alumni from World Racing mm. that it was like, we, we just can't keep up. And yeah. so we have value attached mm. to alumni uh, and people because I think if we invest in something, you know, that makes it yeah. palatable and worth it. And so we started about two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and mostly focused, it's, it's really been interesting. We've got a marriage intensive. So we're working with people in their 70s and then we've got premarital and we've got all these alumni that are getting married and we've done lots and lots of weddings and um, sometimes right before a call we'll be like are we qualified and then they'll start talking and we're like i know exactly what holy spirit wants to say to them yeah. you know and it's it has nothing to do with our qualifications it has to do with the whisper and mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with the things that we've overcome and being really honest and raw with people like our, our marriage really came to a head after Africa and we did not think we were going to survive. And so much of life is like showing up and staying in the fight and believing in something bigger than yourself and fighting for the people that are so significant, like your spouse and your children. And that's really what, what matters at life, but there's not, there's no magic to it. It really is a lot of hard work. And really coaching people into, to embracing the spirit, embracing the prophetic and uh, you know things aren't logical and mm-hmm. things aren't black and white mm-hmm. it's about life and death and how do i stay in here when it's a death season and you know we have hundreds of seasons in life and so we just want to walk people through those different seasons and kind of coach them into i can own this and be transformed by this in good things and bad and i can hold really good news and really bad news the same when my heart begins to be transformed and so that's really the focus of the coaching um, and it filters for, you know, for all the texts that we wake up to and all the, the phone calls and all the tragedies that happen in everybody's life, or that at least they think they're tragedies, um, you know, that's really what we focus on yeah. where we're at, so. Yeah, okay, I have a couple more questions. One has to do with just like people that you have looked up to or you feel who have shaped you. So are there people in your life where you look back even at your childhood years and you just can see them in your character and, and who you are? And yeah, could you share a little bit about, about why and, and how they shaped you? I can do that real quick. So my dad's my hero. Uh, he, we don't, we do not come to the same conclusions theologically. So we have lots of arguments <laughs> and we're both eights on the Enneagram, yeah. which we're not a huge into, but we love to argue and we find intimacy in that. So he's definitely uh, one. And then Andrew Shearman, um, who I, we do G42 with this in 76 Brit American. And he um, taught me the lover archetype of a man. So I knew the warrior and I knew the sage, but he really gave me this lover side of just enjoying life, um, freedom. Uh, and there's so much black and white, like I said, and religion, and he just kind of ripped that off. And so he's really discipled me into that freedom. So I'd say those two guys. Uh, and of course my mom was my biggest hero of all. And she's deeply, deeply missed. She was my main intercessor and I can feel her um, presence being missed a lot of times. And so that's mine. Oh, you're my hero. So that's so okay, awkward. Okay, sweet. Well, <laughs> no, I, um, my parents are amazing because they were both abused and 
rejected and orphaned and their only parenting skill was to do the opposite of what was done to them and they did an amazing job and they've been mm -hmm. married for well same as you so they're 55 years married and it hasn't been perfect but they stuck in there and I, I just admire that and I've just always been watching since I was a very little girl I really admire women who have real strength and are kind to other women and are unafraid and brave and yet are very approachable and their hearts are open. And I love women who hold other people's secrets don't, um, don't expose other women. And so I've had a few women in my life like that. And I've learned more about watching their life than anything they've actually said to me. And there's people that I just admire from a distance. And I think I, I want to be more like them. I really just want to present myself with strength and, and grace all the time. Because mm. I can get a little mm. feisty and I can get a little mean and I can get all of things. You're so a little. No one thinks you're abused. He's fine. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 8 too. So I can, I'm also uh, can get very uh, challenging uh, and feisty. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, no, I love it. I think that's, that's, you know, talks a lot about just, yeah, how strong our actions are that like, when I think it's, there's a beauty in, um, watching someone parent their children when they don't necessarily know you're watching or just love on them and, or the conversations they have with their spouse or just, yeah, again, seeing how people treat each other with grace and love. And, um, I don't know. I always love just looking at people and, and doing the same thing and observing because you can learn so much from someone's character before you even necessarily meet them too. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for sharing. You guys should come visit us in Kenya. My husband works with boys and uh, does a lot of discipleship. So it's, yeah, we would love um, that. my dad planted churches in Kenya, um, when I was growing 80s. up. And so that's really why we moved to Africa. Yeah, we've only been to Kenya once. Oh. So now we have another reason to go. Yeah. yeah, we're right on the coast. We're in Mombasa. So that's where our workshop is. That's where my boys are. We're I'm like a mom to 40 street boys that my husband has been discipling for a wow. long time. Yeah. So we've been there now for almost, I guess, 12 years. So it's been awesome. wild. Yeah. But our door is always open to you guys. You're welcome. Um, yeah. We yeah. I'm glad you're in the States right now and you can like go to Target and load up and before you head back. <laughs> yes. I like, I already have my list. We're about to like do all of our like shopping and you know, and then my mom is always like our, her whole living room is filled with like 20 suitcases before we go back and just like, yeah, yeah. We're about to do that. So, but okay. I have one more question for y'all and I normally prepare you guys for this and I didn't. So you're going to be kind okay, of put on the spot. Okay. Um, but I always ask, um, our people who come on to just share one last thing to live by. So something encouraged, encouraging to our audience, motivational to them. So what would you say is your one last thing to live by? I, I would say, especially right now is hope that there is always hope that there is always, this is not the end. I, I think so many times people think that this is the end. And so many times I feel like the Lord's saying, no, this is just the beginning. And I, I really want to see our country, the world really go back to a place of hope and relationships and really caring for our neighbors and really loving whoever is right next to you at that moment really well and not being so focused on big things that are so overwhelming we don't need to start and just starting very simply with loving people really well. Yeah, that's good. And I would say, you know, G42 for the 42nd generation 
talks about the, you know, the Israelites went on their journey and they named the cities the way they felt. And many times, especially as Christians uh, in the West, you know, we'll just camp in bitterness and stay there our whole lives because of things that have happened and, or lust or whatever this, whatever's happening in our hearts. We, we literally camp there for a long time. We get stuck. And so one of the things for me is that, yeah, coming out of this, this isn't the end times. This isn't the end of the world. There's that we win. God's going to cover the whole earth with his glory as the waters cover the sea. And, and there's just a lot to live for. And we got to keep having kingdom babies and family and life because we get to cover the, the earth in God's glory and we get to win this thing. And so bringing that encouragement back, especially to the next generation. Um, and I love the Z generation. I think, you know, they're hunkering in and they're kind of, but they're, I think they're going to do some it. stuff that, yeah, we have not they seen yet it. on earth. Yeah. And so we have a lot of hope and we're very encouraged mm -hmm. and we're in the fight every day. So we'll fight with you. Mm. Thank you guys so much for being here. And I, on our show notes and everything, everybody will have all that information of how they can reach out to you guys, but I just appreciate you guys. I'm grateful for what you are doing in this world. And thank you for being such a light. Awesome. Thank you for you all you do, awesome. sweetheart. You're amazing. <laughs> I love your art. You're, amazing. You're very prophetic too, by the way. I don't know how much you operate in that, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Cool. Oh, thanks so much guys. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me for another week here at the Moxie Podcast. As we bring more guests onto the podcast, we would love to inspire others. So my big ask for you is if you have time and love this community, please not only subscribe to this podcast, but give Moxie a rating or write a quick review. Reviews grow our reach and are the heartbeat of who this community is made up of. So thank you again for being here. And remember, stay authentic, be intentional, and Moxie on friends.